if you were right and I was wrong, you just dismiss me as an idiot and that'd be the end of it. But you're choosing to be really infuriated and argue with me because you know you're wrong. So you're being defensive. Now let's get to the episode. Welcome to Intentionally Mouthy, a lifestyle podcast on sass, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, hosted by Annie Paul Murphy. Annie is a naturalized U.S. citizen, originally from Colombia, on a mission to show the world the Hispanic conservative millennial point of view. Join the sassy and sometimes politically incorrect Latina as she explores unconventional ideas and introduces you to new and neat happenings all over. Let's get started. Hey everyone and welcome to another episode of Forget Fanny because I thought I had recorded this episode weeks ago but nope. Just kidding but not really. Yes you are listening to Intentional and Mouthy and this is episode 8. On my last episode I discussed all the ways that feminism hurts men. And on this episode, I'll address how it hurts children. But before I get to that, I feel compelled to address a semi-related recent topic. It's related in that it's about kids. A month ago, Mario Lopez appeared on the podcast The Candace Owens Show from PragerU, and he essentially said that he doesn't think it's right for kids to be raised transgender, mainly because they don't quite literally have the brain to actually discern or know the ramifications of this choice. Now, to people with common sense, this is perfectly reasonable. Just like you wouldn't let your kid get a tattoo, it's simply strange that they would be allowed to change their sex or gender just because they feel like it, even when kids don't know about sexuality. Even though that episode came came out about a month ago, it wasn't until this week that a media outlet got a hold of Mario's comments and a lot of people unleashed on him, unjustifyingly so. You know, the left-wing media nowadays thinks it's right to treat kids as political pawns, so of course, they came out against what he said. Look it up if you want. The nut jobs are at it again. You know what I didn't expect, though? That Mario would apologize. And you know what happened? He did apologize for this, quote, insensitive remarks. Why? Facts don't care about feelings, and you don't apologize for having common sense opinions. I mean, there are instances where if you make a mistake that hurts someone, by all means, do apologize. Show remorse and don't do it again. But if you're just stating an opinion and someone chooses to get offended, that's on them. They decided to take offense and you shouldn't apologize for someone's choices. For someone else's choices, that is. At least in this regard, I am proud that I stand strong behind my views. Unapologetically so. And I wish Mario had stood his ground and not apologized. He was merely stating an opinion after all. And here's mine. It is wrong to obey a kid's wishes as to what gender or sex they wish to be. What kind of toy they want? Okay, give them some choice. But God created that kid. He decided their gender and the parents are supposed to tell the kid what to do, not the other way around. The reason why I bring this up now is because it somehow ties to feminism. The way I see it, Again, this is an opinion. Radical modern feminism kind of unleashed follow-up movements where everything's now supposedly liberated and we must simply watch and be quiet. So a woman gets naked in front of little boys and we must shut up because it's supposedly art. A woman says parents must ask babies for their consent to change their diaper. 
A little boy dresses up as a drag queen and dances at a show. Drag queens now read to little boys at public libraries. These are supposedly all normal now. And to hell with anyone who disagrees. Anyone opposed is sexist, transphobic, homophobic, racist, you name it. When the left has no valid rebuttals, they resort to claims of offense and name-calling. This is why it's important we stand our ground, regardless of what side you're in. If you think it's okay for your kid to dance half-naked on camera or at a show for adults to watch, that's on you. But do not make me or my kids watch, because that to me is deranged and psychotic. Do not impose your neurosis on us. If you want me to refer to you by a different pronoun, on the other hand, just ask and I'll do it. But don't make the government force people to do so. Here's a silly example. My name is Annie. I'm legally Annie and I was baptized Annie. Not Anne, not Anna, not something else that got shortened to Annie. Nevertheless, I get people sometimes who, after I introduce myself as Annie, they call me Anne or Anna, maybe because they forgot. And I correct them with Annie. Now, that's no big deal, to be honest. I love my name, and I'll help remind others what it is. Be like that. So you're a man who identifies as a woman? Just ask. And I guarantee you 99.9% of the population will oblige and use male pronouns, or vice versa if it's the inverse, of course. But don't force everyone to do something just to appease 2.3% of the world population. That's wrong. And don't apologize for your views either. Anyway... Back to my original topic. Let's talk feminism, children, and daycares. This topic was mostly inspired by a change of heart of mine, and I want to talk with you about my evolving thought process. Now, although I never liked the idea of daycares, and I never went to one, I want to bring them up because they relate to the faulty idea that leaving your kids full-time either at a daycare or with family while you go to work is healthy. So the way I've structured this episode is, first, we'll go into the impact of raising children on career advancement and vice versa. Then we'll look at the idea, rather the misleading idea, that somehow leaving your kids teaches them independence before transitioning to the seemingly perfect solution for working parents, that is the concept of daycares. After that, we'll end by going over my personal views on the matter and how they came to be. Back to feminism and its firm grasp on modern families. A 2017 article in Intellectual Takeout that I'll link to in the show notes brings up statements by Faye Weldon, a pioneer in the feminist movement who argues that the way feminism has changed society has not been, quote, all wonderful because the original feminists really didn't think about the children, end quote. She argues feminism didn't turn out as well as she once thought because although there were many advantages such as earning a living, which gives women economic independence, freedom, power, etc. At the same time, these women, quote, have no rest and they look tired and they look exhausted, end quote. It turns out she's seeing something that is really happening. That same piece adds findings from a Pew Research report that shows that over a third of moms believe that raising children makes career advancement more difficult. In fact, many working mothers strive toward that career advancement anyway, but most end up feeling rushed, exhausted, and alienated from their children in the process. But isn't leaving children alone for extended periods of time good for them? Doesn't it teach them independence and respect for their elders, supposedly? Well, that's what an Ohio blogger wrote about a while back, and I'd be lying if I said I wasn't shocked by how much BS she was trying to convince herself of. 
And no, I don't have kids, but I was raised by some mighty good and exemplary parents who never took a break from me because I wasn't the kid one needed a break from. The thing that most people forget is that one doesn't need to fail or have the worst experiences to learn or to teach. You can learn from someone who's doing it right. Hence why I take my parents' advice and Dr. Laura's really over anyone else's. I know what I'm talking about. My husband and I take advice from people who do know better. And sometimes he takes advice from me and vice versa. And really, that's how well we function. Along those lines, I was a, ki- I was a good kid growing up. Great grades, teacher's favorite, no vices, no weird faces, no boy craziness or even boyfriends, but plenty of crushes on my end. No parties, kind of nerdy, but still aware of pop culture. You get the picture. I was a good girl and proud daughter of overprotective parents. Needless to say, mine are two parents who did an excellent job and who so many out there would learn a lot from. They didn't need to have done a poor job in order to have learned from their mistakes because we believe in preventing mistakes. And in my humble opinion, they didn't make any. Moreover, I don't need to have been a bad kid in order to share why my experience is still one worth noting to justify why taking a break from kids for the sake of taking a break is wrong. An acquaintance I'll call Kim once wrote a post entitled, Why Taking Breaks from Your Kids is Good for Everyone. This is that Ohio blogger blogger I was talking about. And I admit I can't help but feel insulted when I see posts about parents who take breaks from their kids because they couldn't deal with the madness anymore. As if a kid who one chose to have was something one can just take a vacation from. In fact, I also shared Kim's post with my mom and she couldn't help but feel revolted at what parenting, maybe millennial parenting, has come to in this country. Seriously, the concept of a break from your child is so messed up. In fact, I'll use Kim's reasons, which are in support of the idea, to explain why it's not something that should be followed. I'll first read her reasons, and immediately afterwards, I'll add the rebuttal. Kim divided her post on why taking breaks from one's kids is good into two sections, why it's good for the kids and why it's good for the parents. Let's go over her first section, why it's good for the kids. One. It teaches them to listen to other adults other than you and your spouse. My take? Great. It's not okay for kids to learn to listen to the rando who approaches them down the street, huh? Two, it teaches them independence and the importance of adapting. My take? They're kids. Unless they're orphans or in foster care, they don't need independence. They should know they have your safety net to rely on at all times. Three, it makes them excited to see you when you come home. My take? Again, they're kids, not animals. I mean, my canine and feline brothers loved it, obviously. They get very excited when I would come home when I lived with my parents, and they love it when my parents come home. Now, my husband's and my puppy, he gets excited when we come home. No reason to teach a human, a human child, that it's good to miss another human, their parent, when the latter is supposed to be there unconditionally. Four, it helps them self-soothe. My take? Again, they're kids. It's okay for them to need and want you, up to a point, of course. In some, why it's not good for kids to be taken a break from. Your kid will learn you value leaving them over helping them through something and unconditionally loving and supporting them. That's why. They'll see you left when things got rough. What kind of thing is that to teach anyone, let alone your child? 
Then Kim goes into why taking breaks from kids is good for the parents. One, it gives you a break emotionally and mentally. My take? Okay, I get it. You need a break from a little human who absolutely depends on you. Just don't depend on that break or come to need to pass that kid on to someone besides your spouse on a regular basis. Again, this is someone who loves you and who you should love unconditionally, not leave when times get rough. That doesn't deserve a break. Two, it gives you a chance to reevaluate your parenting techniques. My take? <sighs> Taking a break from your child lets you reevaluate your parenting techniques. Wouldn't you need the kid present to see if you're right? Parenting is a two-way street, you know. Without the kid, there's no parenting. Maybe I never understood how demanding parents can get because I was good growing up and my parents always chose to calmly talk with me rather than trying other parenting gimmicks and tricks and punishments. But whatever floats your boat. Three, it makes you realize how much you love them and miss them. My take, besides the fact that this is sick, if leaving your kid makes you realize how much you love and miss them, then maybe you weren't suited to become a parent when you did. Kids are not to be taken for granted. Now, having said all that, is taking such a break still worth it? Really? Your kid might resent you once they learn you took breaks from them and that you needed those breaks. They may understand why when they're in their 20s, but it may hurt your relationship if they grow up aware of how much importance you placed on leaving them instead of sticking around through their tantrums or other bouts. My parents have always known one thing that a lot of other American parents simply forget or don't realize. Kids don't belong to you. The way they see it, the way we see it, God or your favorite deity entrusted a man and a woman to take care of, your, of the kid until the parents have passed or until the kid has passed. We are essentially borrowed on loan and parents and therefore even more are therefore even more responsible to take better care of their children. Because God later wants that child back in the same, if not better, condition than he or she was when God loaned it to the parents. Like those popular commercials say, moms don't take sick days and dads don't take sick days. Kids are not jobs you take off from. You take time off from. You chose them for a reason and you shouldn't let anything come between you and that privilege. And if they weren't chosen, the kid was still born. So... It's a responsibility you cannot take a break from. If you disagree, but it is a privilege, you shouldn't take that for granted. Talk to parents of children who are in heaven. Maybe you don't feel like doing the dishes tonight, but your kids aren't dishes you can ignore if they get too messy. A mentality of being able to abandon responsibility will foment a sense of never-ending childhood that should have ended the minute that kid was conceived. Parents leaving when it gets too crazy teaches kids how to get rid of their parents for a day or two or more. You're kidding yourself if you're thinking that kids are not smart to figure that out. But not only that, they'll also figure out that they're not important enough for you to stick around. Which segues into daycares, modern family's favorite nanny. To discuss more about this topic, I bring up an excellent segment on the Dr. Laura program, in which she's reading and commenting on a Chicago Tribune piece by a woman discussing the inconveniences that her children have brought to her life. The opinion piece has to do with Senator Duxworth, a Democrat from Illinois, and her decision to bring her then-newborn daughter to the Senate uh, back in the day. 
What follows are lines from that Chicago Tribune piece in addition to commentary by me and Dr. Laura. It reads, As a mom, I was overjoyed when the U.S. Senate allowed senators to bring the babies onto the floor, a move spurred by the April birth of Democratic U.S. Senator Tammy Duxworth's daughter. Then it shows a picture of the senator with her daughter in arms. Dr. Laura couldn't rebut that part any better. She says, I don't applaud her decision to bring her baby to work so young. The baby looks like she's still in her uterus, and she should be home instead of being exposed to all the noise and the germs and where there's peace and quiet. The Chicago Tribune contributor continues, We must be realistic that working families like mine have challenges that require more significant action by Congress. A challenge we face is finding affordable, high-quality child care. As a developmental psychologist, I am well-versed in what to look for when researching, when researching child care. But there's a dearth of care, especially for infants and toddlers in Chicagoland. Now, to me, this part was funny. As a developmental psychologist, the author apparently fails to see that the most affordable and highest quality daycare is herself. I don't get how she can be that well-versed in looking at daycare options and doesn't know that that's a mom. You know, her quote-unquote studies and research and her PhD, all she learned was that hired help was the best alternative? Obviously, she learned nothing. She adds, We felt this acutely when the care arrangement we depended on had to close suddenly. With only one week's notice, we researched a dozen places to find an opening that was licensed, physically safe, and affordable. Unfortunately, it was not emotionally supportive enough, and for seven months, Grayson cried each morning we left him. I knew that the caregiver's social-emotional practices, practices were developmentally inappropriate. Okay, number one, for seven months, the baby cried each morning that they left him. And number two, for seven months, this baby suffered. She just admitted to abuse. And you're calling these women mothers? She's married to a woman, by the way. What's sad is that she's not even lamenting the fact. She's merely pointing it out as her inconvenience. She goes on. My wife and I constantly doubted ourselves, wondered if she should work part-time, but the financial and professional ramifications were too high. We had just bought our first home. Ultimately, we waited out the lower quality care arrangement until he turned two, two, and could enter an amazing program nearby. So she's now admitting that they simply didn't want a better daycare facility and that the baby wouldn't be loved all day simply because they had just bought a house. How inconvenient! As Dr. Laura so eloquently put it, two women and neither of them would get what a mother is? At this point, she stopped reading the piece live on the air because she couldn't believe the absurdity. Not me, though. I immediately looked up the article and found more juicy bits to share. Brace yourselves, sane people. By the way, if you hear some tumbling going around in the background, that's our puppy uh, who's just, he, uh, he's just playing with his toys. Uh, he got the zoomies and so he's like running around and um, chasing after his toys. So that's him. <laughs> and here am I. Now here's more from the article. With a new baby coming, we are back in this turmoil and have been looking for infant care since we got pregnant. We are lucky to have supportive employers, and if need be, we can't keep her home for several months, but it will be logistically and financially difficult. For many families, the strain would be untenable. Paid family leave would offer young families a real solution for these precious first few months. It's the law in some states right now, 
but not in Illinois, nowhere across the entire country. Okay, so the logistical and financial difficulties have ex- helped explain why if you're not ready to be a parent, you don't become a parent. Moreover, sure, paid family leave would help many families, but a kid's first months aren't the most precious in their life. The parents should witness it all. In fact, the first few years are the most precious. She continues, Our story is just one example of why we must take investing in babies and toddlers our national priority. A national paid family leave program would mean that all parents have time to bond with their babies without sacrificing financial security. (sighs) But I mean, come on. If a parent thinks all they need to bond with a baby is to stay home for just a few weeks or months and then ship them off to daycare or to be with a nanny where they can be unloved all day, they're fooling themselves. Up next is the last bit from her article. Our country can do more to increase access to quality, affordable childcare for working families. Congress recently passed a historic increase in childcare funding for low-income working families. But this is only a down payment on what is needed to ensure that all babies and families who need it have access to high-quality care. Which is why you don't have kids if you're not ready to parent. But I digress. She continues, the science is clear. Babies' brains go faster between birth birth and age three than at any later point in life. In fact, their brains form more than one million new neural connections every second, laying the foundation for all future learning and development. Sadly, if we don't focus on childhood development, there are consequences such as lifelong developmental, educational, social, and health challenges. We are ready for Congress to see us for who we are, proud Americans and proud parents who want Congress to know that the future begins with babies. (sighs) I mean, yeah, you know what else lays the foundation for all future learning and development? A loving and supportive parent that is always there. She is right on that last point, though. Now, focusing on childhood development leads to challenges in a number of aspects of a person's life later on, which is why if you're not ready to be a parent, You don't become a parent. And the future does begin with babies. And it progresses with those kids as they grow up. Which is why a parent needs to actually parent their child. Please listen carefully. Hey listeners, want to check out podcasts about our hands-free? Let me teach you some really neat tricks you can use on your iOS and Android devices. If you use Siri, just ask her for help. For instance, say things like, play intentionally mouthy play my newest podcast, or even play the first episode of Intentionally Mouthy. And did you know that you can also ask Siri for information about the podcast that it's currently playing and request to be subscribed? For example, you could ask her to tell you what podcast is this, or even subscribe to the show. And if you have an Android phone, you too can join in on the fun. Simply ask Google Assistant to listen to Intentionally Mouthy, play Intentionally Mouthy, or listen to the latest episode of Intentionally Mouthy. Let me know how you like these tips. Happy listening, and I'll chat with you soon. So yes, I disagree that a baby shouldn't be brought to work or dropped off at daycare, not because that's not how I was raised, or it's simply a personal conviction. I'm opposed to it because it isn't in the best interest of the child. A 
few minutes ago, I introduced Dr. Laura's take on that Illinois senator bringing her newborn to work, but you probably haven't heard about her before. So let me give you a bit of background. I go on and on, but I'll just summarize a few bits from her bio on her website at drlaura.com. D-R-L-A-U-R-A.com. Dr. Laura Schlesinger is one of the most popular radio show hosts today. She's been offering no-nonsense advice infused with a strong sense of ethics, accountability, and personal responsibility to millions of listeners every week for over 30 years. Credentials-wise, she has written 13 adult books and 4 children's books, holds a PhD in physiology and a postdoctoral certification in marriage, family, and child counseling. She was in private practice for 12 years and has been a member, a faculty member at various universities. She has also raised millions of dollars for veterans and their families with her proceeds from sales in her online boutique and is currently working with the Charitable Children of Fallen Patriots Foundation. Among her numerous honors and awards, Dr. Laura has been inducted into the National Radio Hall of Fame. She has received an award from the Office of the Secretary of Defense for her exceptional public service and is the first woman ever to win the National Association of Broadcasters' prestigious Marconi Award for Network Syndicated Personality. She also holds multiple trophies for sailboat racing and is a black belt in martial arts. You can see why I think so highly of such a personality. She's a good role model and I agree with perhaps 99% of what she advocates. I value my mom's advice immensely and we are both huge Dr. Laura fans. Anyway, on a show from last year, she elaborated more into her position on daycares during her opening monologue. And I want to share with you that particular monologue with you on this post to A show you more about how I arrived to my, or I should say our decision, B, further explain how feminism, the modern kind, has really hurt women, C, hopefully inspire one of more of you to think that daycare and other alternatives to you raising your children is the right choice, to hopefully reconsider, which would also D, save some kids. I'll include the full monologue in my show notes at podcast.anniesetso.com. There you'll also find everything I've discussed and even more thought-provoking posts from Dr. Laura that I'll link to. Without further ado, here's Dr. Laura's recent monologue on daycares. She says, When you're busy with work, you stick your kids in daycare, nannies, babysitters, because you believe the BS that you can be a great mother when you're not their mothering at all. I'm really tired of the mommy wars, the everybody can choose their own way. Of course everybody can choose their own way, but if the ways not to sensibly and lovingly and carefully nurture your children, then you're a sucky mother, and I don't really care what your excuse is. Work at night, be tired, but don't make your kids pay the price. You know why? Because they grow up into adults who can't love and receive love, who can't feel stable without being perfectionists, who have no idea what they want to do in life because they're too confused since they were never bonded to you because you were too busy being a working woman doing all the things you think you need for yourself. All I can say is, if you don't want to raise your kids, don't make babies. I would make daycare criminal if I could. To intentionally disengage from your kids all day and stick them into a situation where they're not receiving love, the attention, the nurturing they need, to have to compete with other kids who are total strangers for every tidbit of a toy and attention, to me, is sadistic. You're being negligent and abandoning your kids. She continues. I'd rather they were raised by wolves. Wolves pay a lot of attention to their cubs. So you can sit there and be angry, but understand you're wrong. Somehow you know that's true by the magnitude of your anger. If you were right and I was wrong, you'd just dismiss me as an idiot, and that'd be the end of it. But you're choosing to be really infuriated 
and argue with me because you know you're wrong. So you're just being defensive. She then brings up an experience from 25 to 30 years ago where she was speaking to a room of a few thousand women and she told them that if they weren't going to raise them to not have kids. Naturally, this resulted in a lot of commotion. So she did a little experiment with them. Here she goes. Let's try this. In five minutes, you're all going to be dead. Don't worry. You're going to come back tomorrow as a newborn. You get to choose a nanny, a daycare center, a babysitter, or a loving mother. I'd like you now to stand up if you would pick anything besides a loving mother. Stand up. Nobody stood up. So how come for themselves, they all knew what they wanted, but they can't be bothered doing it for their kids because I have a career and it's 2018 and it's sexist. It's not sexist. If you could choose for yourself, you'd want everything. But for your kids, neglect and abandonment, that's what's putting them in daycare is. Well, my mother's raising them, or my aunt's raising them, or my sister's raising them. Well, why don't they just adopt them and keep them out of you, keep you out of the mix? The kid has to come back and for a short period of time call you mother? Oh, well, we have two salaries. Really? Then you never should have had kids. You married the wrong person. You don't budget right or you don't know whether that's even true. Here she tells listeners of a time where she told a couple to save the wife's salary for a year in a separate savings account and to not touch it for any reason during that year. They were to live on one salary. Despite their belief to the contrary, turns out they were both able to live well with a few sacrifices that year. Then another time a single mom told her that she had to work because she didn't have a man and blah, blah, blah. But she also lived near a sector with many tall office buildings. So she started to make and sell muffins to those people out of a cart in which she could, um, you know, have her kid as well, who would also be near her while she baked. She did it and made more than enough money to do fine. So instead of giving me shiz, which does not help your kid at all, don't waste your time. You're not helping your kid. Figure it out. Now, if you don't do what I'm telling you to do, here are some of the things that are going to happen to your kids. She continues. They tend to have a fear of attachment. They fear love. They sabotage their own relationships or become distant the minute attachment seems reasonable. Or they hook up with somebody who's a loser and that's the explanation for why they can't be attached. They don't have much direction in life. They don't know where to go or what to do because you didn't influence them and didn't help them develop their stuff because you weren't around. You were too busy on yourself. They have difficulties accepting change because they don't know how to handle emotions appropriately. They weren't taught that by you. And because their emotional needs weren't met, they always thought they weren't good enough. They never learned how to communicate their emotions, so they have a lot of misunderstandings and don't learn how to identify their feelings. They also are very sensitive to rejection, to rejection because since they were in bonded to their parents, there's this desperation to grab onto whatever, and it doesn't hold them above water. And if it doesn't hold them above water, they're pretty upset. Adults whose parents were emotionally unavailable find themselves needing everything they do to be perfect. Hobbies, relationships, workplace, everything has to be perfect immediately. Because it comes out of a like this place, this deep need to be affirmed, to be accepted. And they try to get it out with perfection. You know, bond or be emotionally available to your, for your kids because you're too busy on your damn careers or 16 different marriages or your shackups, the crap you're doing out there all the time and saying it's okay. Your kids end up seeking romantic partners who can be a parent. Usually it doesn't work. You know the adult behaviors of an emotionally absent parent. 
stop creating that in your kids. That was her opening monologue one day. And I'd like to let you know that I've come across several more of her posts on daycares in case you want to do a little more reading on your spare time. They'll all be linked in the show notes at podcast.anisetso.com. And now that you've heard all the research and what experts say on the matter, let me talk with you more about how we made the decision to not rely on daycares or nannies. Once upon a time, I wanted to be a so-called power woman. I wanted to climb ladders. I wanted to get to the top. I wanted it all. And get to the top of what? Didn't matter. I wanted to get there. And then keep climbing. After being so accomplished in school and having a really bright future ahead of me, I thought I wanted to keep the streak going in after getting married and having kids. Funny how the term bright future has come to mean so many different things. Not one of those meanings revolves around good old-fashioned values. But I digress. Anyway, I wanted my future husband and I, yes, I knew of this long before getting married, to still somehow keep on having amazing careers and an amazing family. Both of them, somehow. (laughs) Then once we'd had kids, my parents could take care of those kids. Because who better to help us raise them than the two people who raised me? Then I met my husband. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) He's the kind of man who's fine with any decision that I make, honestly, as long as it benefits the whole. Things that I see benefit me and ultimately us, he will support. He wants me to be happy after all. When we first started dating or courting, I pictured us having it all later on. As we got to know each other, however, I realized that having it all meant something had to give. The more and more I interacted with this guy, who seemed completely fine with letting my parents raise our future kids, while we focus on our careers and two salaries and hobbies and everything else, keyword, he seemed fine with it, Um, only because that's what I wanted, the more I came to the realization that this man deserves a wife who will take care of him by taking care of his home, his family. Now, don't ask me when I had this epiphany or what exact moment led to it. All I know is that at some point, a light bulb went over my head and I thought, Okay, here's the man of my dreams who'll move over mountains for my sake, who will stay all day in a job and who has no problem providing for his future family and taking care of me. And I'm not even willing to take care of our home and children. So he'll be doing all that and he won't even get to come home to a hot dinner or a loving wife who made it for him and made sure his kids were were well taken care of all day. What I decided next honestly came as no shock to anyone, not even myself. I then decided that him, my future husband, that he decided uh, deserved a nurturing wife. Not a wife who'd be gone for nine hours a day and then maybe help out around the house and if she had a bit of free time, but someone who'd be nurturing 24-7. Again, not somebody who would be, you know, gone for nine hours a day, come home tired, ex- uh, exhausted, just done with the day, feeling miserable, stressed out, but instead somebody who take care of his place and his family and who would nurture everything for him and I was and have been determined to be that for him he'll be the provider I'll be a nurturer we concluded he'll make sure to bring food to the table I'll make sure to make it for him and our children while also caring for our home so to speak as the loving man that he is of course he'd be doing more for our family than just being the main financial provider but you get the idea suddenly I didn't care about climbing ladders. In fact, I also realized that the more ladders I climbed, the more difficult it would be for me at some point to leave that position. 
So I also decided to always remain in a position that wouldn't be difficult for me to leave. And ultimately, I left. <laughs> At around the same time that we decided those things, and this was easy for him because during the first years of his and his brother's childhoods, his mom stayed home with them, so he understood the importance of parents always being with their kids and raising them. Anyways, he and I decided to ultimately at some point make me work fewer hours and then to not work outside the home at all. My mom and I had started listening again to the Dr. Laura program on Sears XM a couple of years ago. We used to listen to her every day when she was on public radio years ago, but she, then she left that outlet and we didn't have satellite radio for a long time, which left us Dr. Laura less for years. Then when we started listening again, it was like a breath of fresh air. Here was this woman speaking out with such common sense against all the crap that was that the progressive but also hurtful media was preaching. On all aspects, marriage, relationships, education, parenthood, this woman became my third role model. My mom is my top, my grandma, and uh, then Dr. Laura. And then really everyone else I admire. So it's almost hard to actually count my role models um, because I, you know, my husband's my role model, my dad's my role model, mom, grandma. I got a lot of those. On several occasions during that time, Dr. Laura shared her disdain for daycares and moms and parents who've come to rely on them. Each and every time she'd explain her point of view. I'd go, well, yeah, that makes sense. Or she is right. I shouldn't have to leave my kids with anyone else. In my favorite line of hers, if you won't raise them, don't have them. At some point, she elaborated even more into her position in one of her opening monologues. And that is the one I shared with you earlier, which you'll find on the show notes on my website. Dr. Laura's words, if you were right and I was wrong, you just dismiss me as an idiot and that'd be the end of it. But people choose to be really infuriated and argue with me because you know you're wrong, so you're being defensive. And that's it for this episode of how modern feminism has been hurting children. Let me know what you think in the comments or of the show notes or by tweeting me at imouthy. Until next time, make today great and don't forget to visit podcast.anysaidso.com for show notes and more. Thanks for listening to Intentionally Mouthy. If you like the show and want to know more or find the free resources we talked about, check out podcast.anysaidso.com. If you love this episode, head over to iTunes or Google Podcasts to leave a positive review and subscribe for free. Did I mention free? Thank you.